We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. Good to be with you today on the show. My name is Walker Wildman, and I'm back in the captain's chair for The Core. Good to be back. I was out last week because my wife gave birth to our fourth son, Isaac Gregory, and Bobby saw a picture of him this morning. Beautiful looking little guy. I was going to say, what do you think, Bobby? <laughs> Very and it, nice. And it better be good. <laughs> um, 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 good good uh, feedback desired for my son, uh, Isaac. So I uh, appreciate that, Bobby. And he was born on Monday the 14th. My dates are right. He was born on Monday the 14th at 10.23 a.m., coming in at 9 pounds, 1 ounce. Uh, that is Isaac Gregory. So um, both mom and baby are doing well. And I've been telling people he's he's surprisingly being a very good baby. He's sleeping very well. You know, you never know with, with newborns. Some of them uh, – are quiet and they sleep and they don't really cause a lot of ruckus and then others, you know, have, have issues and just can't seem to get settled down. So we're thankful for that. Um, and maybe, maybe in the next, I don't know, month or two, uh, we'll bring a uh, little Isaac in studio and to get our ratings up. There you go, Bobby on there the video. You go. Always. If you want to watch the show, you can do so by going to the core Facebook page or the YouTube channel. Uh, either of those platforms, you can watch the show, and um, you can also catch the audio by go- downloading the AFR app, the American Family Radio mobile app. You can do that on your smartphone and your tablet device, and then you can go to our website, AFR.net, and live stream the audio there. So we offer the live audio on multiple platforms, and then we post the podcast uh, across the internet on multiple podcast platforms. So pretty much, if you want to listen to the show, you want to watch the show, uh, you can do so without uh, much hindrance. You can do so without much hindrance. Uh, jumping into the uh, scripture for the week, we are in the book of Psalm. If I can get my iPad working here. There we go. Uh, we're in in the book of Psalm. We're continuing our, our reading here, and we're in chapter 10, and this is a pretty lengthy chapter. I've read lengthy chapters on the show before, but... I'm not going to read this entire chapter today, but I'm going to summarize it for you. And the first few verses are, are this. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Then the psalmist goes on for almost most of the rest of the chapter, talking about how the wicked are prevailing or the wicked are winning, if you want to put it in that and that with that terminology, but basically how how the wicked seem to be prevailing at every turn, and that's why he begins the psalmist begins the, the chapter by saying, "Why, O Lord, 
Do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And so just a couple points here that I want to bring up before we move into the the news of the day. The psalmist knows enough about God and knows enough about what it, it what it is like to have God's presence to know that God seemed far away. And so the the psalmist here has a sense that God is not nearby. He is not close, which is why he writes, "Why, O Lord, do you stand far away?" And so my encouragement for us as believers is is to always desire for God to be close. That should be our constant desire. And a, a true mark of a believer is when we know as Christians when when God is close. And we know when it feels like God is far away, even though the Holy Spirit indwells us and the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us as believers, but at times we can feel disconnected from the Holy Spirit. We can feel disconnected from God because of most most likely because of our sin, sometimes because of the situations or the predicaments that we're going through in life. But for varying reasons, we can feel distant from God. We can feel distant from the Holy Spirit. Um, but the mark of the believer is that we recognize that and we try to draw ourselves back into God and we petition God to draw himself back into us. Um, so that's that's what I wanted to point out uh, this week on Psalm chapter 10 is to... Um, that we need to always be petitioning for God to be in our presence, for God to uh, to be surrounding us and to stay nearby, uh, because we know in God's presence, that's where we find safety. That's where our stronghold is, is in the presence of God. Uh, moving into some of the uh, news stories for the week, you know, this, um, the, um, the, the Ukraine saga is absolutely exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting because... Our, our leaders in this country keep parroting the same talking points over and over and over again with such confidence, with such certainty, that it's really becoming almost a joke. And, and what I'm talking about is this, this uh, the beating of the war drums on Russia and Ukraine. And this is actually what's going on more than a week ago, because I talked about it on it, uh, I talked about this topic the last time I was on the show, which was two weeks ago. And our leaders, including the president, the State Department, Department of Defense, and and all the the main the big wigs, if you want to call them that, in Washington D.C., are are just pounding these drums on war with Russia. And last week. The president said an invasion will happen this week. The White House said an invasion will happen on Wednesday. The intelligence community has concluded that Putin will invade Kiev, Ukraine, the capital there, on Wednesday. Well, that was a week ago when they predicted that. Well, Wednesday came and passed and nothing happened. And so... I don't know what's going on here. This is the most bizarre thing. I told Bobby this morning, the, these bureaucrats and these politicians are so careful with their words, you can hardly, hardly ever nail them down on anything. They're like lawyers. I mean, you ask them point blank a question, and they never answer the question. 
and they they use words like possibly and maybe and uh it it and 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 and, and we could see and 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 it might happen or it might not but um with such certainty the Biden administration says that that Russia will invade Ukraine and they may I don't know I'm not in the intelligence community I'm not the president but you can't keep saying that it's that it's happening it's happening and then it not happen all right and that's the issue here is they keep saying here it is here it is look and it's not happening so I don't know what what the what the um the motive here is, I have no idea what the motive is. This, this is one of the most bizarre things I've seen in a long time, unless the Biden administration is hungry for war with Russia, and so they're, it's basically like a self-fulfilled prophecy. You say it enough, then Putin's finally just going to say, you know what, I wasn't going to go into Ukraine, but I guess I am now, because Biden is like begging me to go into Ukraine. So I don't know, I don't know what the, the, the overarching motive here is, but it's very bizarre. But my, my, my point in bringing this all back up is to is to relitigate, to rehash what we talked about two weeks ago. And that is this this intense focus on saving Ukraine from Russia by people from both sides of the aisle. This intense focus, this laser focus on saving Ukraine whatever that means and whatever that however that benefits America I don't really know and as Bobby mentioned um, in in doing our research Ukraine is not even a member of NATO Ukraine is yet to be a member of NATO now are they talking about it yeah but they've been talking about it for years and so NATO's getting all worked up NATO's changing their emergency deployment standards from 30 days to seven days so they can get NATO troops, I guess, into Ukraine or the surrounding countries in, in, in a quicker time frame. So, so why is NATO mobilizing to defend a non-NATO country? And if Ukraine wants to be a part of NATO, well, then let's get it done. Let's do it. What are we waiting on? And so that's that, that often gets forgotten because the way that the president and the way that our leaders talk it is as if Ukraine is a part of NATO, but they're not. They're not. And but but it's it's like assumed that they are, but they're not. And uh, and here we are sending uh, U.S. military troops over there by the thousands already to surrounding countries to Eastern Europe. What what are we doing over there? You know, Biden says, "Oh, we're not we're not going to send troops to fight Russia." Well, then why are we sending tens of thousands of troops over there in addition to what we already had there? Well, they're, they're going to be advising. Well, how many advisors do you need? How many advisors do you need? You need 20,000 advisors? No, you don't. Um, so I'm not buying that. We need advisors. You can have advisors without sending 20, 30, 40,000 troops over there. Uh, and many of them aren't even in a, in a, in a rank position to be an advisor. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Stephen Miller, former Trump official, put out a a statement uh, over the weekend that really just hit the nail on the head, if you will. Here's what Stephen Miller said, former Trump official. 
He said, in almost all measurable respects, Western civilization is an exhausted, diminishing force. Crime surging, birth rate cratering, workforce shrinking, culture eroding, influence waning, debt debt spiraling, illegal immigration exploding, art and academia, academia sabotaging, not enlightening. Yet the one subject which arouses the passion and wrath of Western capitals to brink of bloody war is the sacrosanctity of Ukraine's present-day boundaries. Until the West marshals its energies to repair and restore itself, its tragically declining trajectory remains unchanged. Hmm. Sounds a little bit like what I said a couple weeks ago. Here we are in America and Europe and and other parts of the West. Here we are getting all worked up, getting our blood pressure up, getting the, the military ready, getting the whole the entire West ready for war with Putin over one of the most corrupt territories and countries in the world. Meanwhile, our own house is burning. And I gave the analogy, I gave the story about if my house was on fire and my neighbor's house was also on fire, or I actually said if my neighbor's being broken into and my house is also being broken into, I have a duty to protect my own home first before I leave my home, leave my family alone to go protect someone else's home, someone else's dwelling. And that's the situation we are at in America. And this is the problem with a declining America. All the God-haters, all the pagans, all the people who absolutely hate our country and the ideals it was founded on, the problem with them winning is it diminishes America to such an extent that not only can we not defend ourselves, but we can't defend anybody else. So if you want to know how we defend other countries that share some of our ideals, we first defend and rebuild our own. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. No one likes to suffer difficult circumstances. In this era of easy believism, it's often conveyed, if life isn't always smooth, we're doing something wrong. The scripture teaches us, however, that our Lord often meets fruitful branches with additional pruning. The pruning is not punishment. It's actually to make us even more fruitful. If you're in a rough spot right now, take heart. What may feel like the squeeze to end all squeezes could very well be the Lord's pruning for additional fruitfulness. When the Lord prunes us, He does so for our good. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. American teens average nine screen time hours each day. During that time, they send an average of 60 texts, scroll social media, binge watch shows, oftentimes attempting to multitask with schoolwork. They're doing too much and taking in too much, a true recipe for anxiety. As Christian parents, we recognize our daughters face a whole new set of challenges that we didn't growing up, namely the instant access to information. While God is all-knowing, we are not meant to be. Psalm 139 speaks to the vast expanse of God's thoughts, but emphasizes that He chooses to delight in each of us. If your daughter is struggling with the weight of the world's sorrows and constant information, remind her that the burden belongs to our sovereign God, and she is kept by Him. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. We are not allowed to have a U-Haul that comes to heaven with us. Anna Marie Travers has an AFA Foundation charitable gift annuity. The Lord has given us uh, things that we can uh, acquire, uh, but you know, everything will stay here. And I'm so thankful for, for the American Family uh, Annuity Fund where we can give some to something that we so highly value. Through the AFA Foundation, a charitable gift annuity provides a monthly income as well as a legacy of support for the American Family Association. I cannot uh, recommend a a better person than uh, they have at AFA to help you with getting your annuity fund. It was so easy. Call the AFA Foundation today to find out how you can set up a charitable gift annuity. Just call 800 326 4543, extension 345. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you back with us in uh, on the show here on the Core. I want to go ahead and welcome our guest for today, our guest for this segment, Mark McCloskey from McCloskey, rather, from uh, St. Louis, Missouri area. And uh, Mark is on with us. He's also running for U.S. Senate there in the state of Missouri. Mark, welcome to the core. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Mark, uh, give our audience, uh, our audience will most likely remember you from uh, the June 28th, 2020 uh, situation that you were put in, you and your wife, uh, where the mob, we had the whole summer of riots and businesses were being burned down, property was being destroyed, very uh, bad look for the country, and everyone remembers that. Well, you and your wife were put in a situation uh, on your private property there in your in your residence uh, that really caught national news and attention. Just give our audience a one or two minute rundown of what happened to you and your wife there. Sure, you know, and you have to recognize that in St. Louis, during the month of June, the riots burned down downtown St. Louis. Nine police officers were shot in the month of June in St. Louis. One police officer, retired police captain David Dorn, was murdered about a half a mile from my house <clears throat> at, a, at a secondary employment at a pawn shop. But the, uh, the, this Antifa organization run by Cory Bush uh, called Expect Us St. Louis advertised that they're going to have a riot in my neighborhood on June 28th. And so 
we uh, had put fire extinguishers around the house because we know they like to burn stuff, and we didn't particularly want to be burned. And uh, place guns around the house because we knew they liked to shoot people, and we didn't necessarily want to go down without a fight. Mm. Well, my daughter, who's 31, had uh, met us uh, for dinner that night, driven down from Chicago, and we were sitting down ready to have some barbecue, and all of a sudden the mob forms down the street, and we hear them shouting and screaming all the standard lines, you know, whose streets, our streets, no justice, no peace, no racist police. And my favorite one from Cory Bush uh, was chanting into the megaphone, you can't stop the revolution. Mm. Well, we live in a gated private neighborhood. Everything inside the gate's private property. It's got three signs saying no trespassing, residents only, uh, private property. Well, the, the entire street outside our gate fills with this angry mob. And I look over at my wife and I say, gosh, I hope they don't come this direction. Right then the gate bursts open and gets folded down to the ground. Hundreds of people start screaming, streaming in. So I did, um, you know, I stood out on the edge of the porch and I said the two most racist white supremacist words known in the English language. I said, private property. <laughs> well, being communist, that pissed them off. Okay. Yeah. And they start rushing in more and more and more. Make a long story short, my wife and daughter went in to call 911. I reached around the door where I had it staged and grabbed my AR-15 and stood out in the porch. Well, you'd think that the average you know, person of normal intelligence looking at kind of a grumpy 64-year-old man with no shoes or socks on but carrying a rifle stay, saying stuff like, get out, get the heck out of my neighborhood, back up, they might actually do that. But no, they just keep rushing in more and more and more. Hmm. And I still think that... Uh, Patty's in the house calling 911. All of a sudden, she shows up in the grass in front of me, right right next to the mob. I mean, 10 feet from the nearest one of these mobsters, waving that little Brico pistol over her head. And uh, uh, now I've got a problem because now I don't have a clean line of fire. If somebody jumps her or something, I've got to, you know, try to shoot around her. I didn't want to accidentally hurt her. So I, now I have to come out in the grass. And, and that's when you start seeing those pictures that they made made it around the world. I got but you, Mark. You know, hey, hey, Mark, just a reminder, we are on Christian radio, so um, just just <laughs> remember that when, when you're talking about these stories. Uh, but, Mark, on, on this on this situation, and then we're going to move on to your to your, uh, your your run for U.S. Senate in the state of Missouri. But, you know, I'm looking at some of the charges you and your wife faced, and, you know, you know you li- we live in an upside-down world when the people who trespass, the people who destroy property, now some of them were charged, but not nearly all of them, uh, some of them get off without incident, without charge, without anything, uh, but you and your wife are simply holding firearms on private property, and and, and the the pro- local prosecutors and every, everybody goes after you, including the media. Uh, that's, that's how you know we live in an upside-down world. Uh, last comment on that before we move on to the next topic. Well, you know, and in the real world, nine people got charged for two days with trespassing. Charges were dropped. We got charged with two Class C felonies that would cost us four years in prison, the loss of our law licenses, and everything else. And I, I will apologize for my profanity. All right. Hey, hey Mark, uh, you're running for the U.S. Senate seat, and um, uh, you're running – tell us, number one, you're running in the Republican primary. How many, how many folks are in that primary there in Missouri? Well, technically, I think there's a total of nine. There's five uh, what I would call regular candidates. I've got two six-term U.S. congressmen I'm running against, the uh, sitting attorney general of the state of Missouri, and our uh, ex-governor who resigned in disgrace in 2018. 
and those are those are the main cast of characters. There's also the uh, may, the uh, president pro tem of the Missouri Senate, uh, who has recently jumped into the race. The the filing begins tomorrow, so we'll see who actually files. What what are some of the key issues when you're going around Missouri talking to voters? What are some of the what are some of the issues that voters are deeply concerned about this election cycle? I tell you, it comes down to one thing, and that's just the the Constitution and American freedom. The people in Missouri, as well as the people around the country, are just stunned with how our civil liberties have been destroyed with the COVID lockdowns, with the uh, uh, vaccine mandates, with the President of the United States and the Executive Department ignoring the Constitution, ignoring the Supreme Court, ignoring the legislature. You know, case in point, the, the wall uh, on the Mexican border, which had been paid for, been authorized by Congress. That bill had been signed by President Trump, and there is no legal basis on which this administration can refuse to build it, and yet they're refusing it. Every place I go, people recognize that our civilization, our way of life, our, our, our Christian heritage is just on the verge of absolute destruction. And as I said last night when I was addressing uh, a Republican committee meeting, that if you ever wonder how precarious our freedoms are, look no further than Canada, where last week Justin Trudeau declared himself dictator and imposed martial law on the citizens of Canada, declaring his right to imprison his political adversaries, to seize their bank accounts, to seize their property, to declare them terrorists, and then to impress into involuntary servitude ordinary citizens to help him break up the, uh, the protest. And the, the powers that be in this country are just salivating for an opportunity to do the same thing to us. And that's what the people recognize, and that's what the people of Missouri and the people of the United States are, are most concerned about right now. Yeah, and Mark, we, we really, uh, Canada, Canada is, is further down the road to communism slash socialism and dictatorship than, than we are in America, but really not that much farther down the road. Uh, Trudeau, uh, the, the, uh, Canada doesn't have as many uh, robust protections for individual liberty as we do here in America. For example, uh, First Amendment, religious freedom, those type of of freedoms are not enshrined as much in Canadian law as they are here in America. Uh, but Mark, we don't really in America need to let it get to a point where we're looking like Canada. Instead, uh, we need to exercise the rights that we still have in this country, such as going to the ballot box and electing people that share our values. We need to use those privileges, use those rights uh, before it's too late in this country. Well, and here's the thing. You, you, people can say that we have a First Amendment right, but that First Amendment almost doesn't exist. If you're, if you're a, a senior executive in a big company, if you say the wrong word, you have to resign. I mean, I always say that after our June 28th event, that uh, if I'd been the senior partner of the largest law firm in St. Louis, the next Monday morning I would have had to gone on the apology tour, apologize for being born, apologize for being white, <laughs> apologize for everything, and I would still be fired. Hmm. There is a, a, a uh, inherent censorship now that prevents the truth from being told. The President of the United States of America has enlisted the aid openly, requested it on live television, the aid of big tech to help him censor the American people and to declare what is information and what is misinformation 
and then prohibit the people from hearing or discussing that which the president doesn't approve of. Yeah, you're that's right. Not a free country. You're you're right, and that's these these are the tactics that the left relies on. I mean, this is how you know that they have no genuine good ideas for the future of this country. I mean, all their ideas are terrible. The public recognize it. I've got stories today on some of the internal Democrat polling and how it's looking very bleak for them uh, because on the issues, Democrats lose. On the issues, when they debate the issues, they lose because they don't have good ideas and they hate this country. And most people in this country don't like that about the Democrats. Uh, But to your point, they have to shut down debate uh, because they don't want to debate. Why? Because they don't have any good ideas. Well, you know, I will go further. I will say this, and I say it just about every night. The the devil is real, evil is real, and these folks are evil. They do not want to live in harmony with us. They want to destroy us. They want to destroy our way of life. They want to destroy our form of government. They want to destroy individual liberty because they genuinely wish to, to control every aspect of our lives. And, you know, every place that this has happened, Millions of people have perished, Hmm. tens of millions of people in the Soviet Union and in communist China and just disappeared. And that's, ladies and gentlemen, what all these lists are about. Hmm. When the government talks about vaccine databases, when the government talks about Department of Justice creating a task force to identify and track people that resist authority, uh, all these things, when the government wants to create a task force to call moms and dads that dare to involve themselves in their kids' education domestic terrorists, all these things are to create lists, lists of people that have the guts to stand up against the government. And this government, you know, unless we pull it back now, Mm. unless we withdraw this consent of the government and remind the government it's supposed to work for us, uh, bad things happen, and they have bad things in store for us. Yep, to borrow uh, a a term from the left under Trump's days, resist! Uh, That's what we need to do, Mark, is we need to resist. Hey, thank you, brother, for coming on the show, and maybe we'll chat again soon. All right. I appreciate it. If people want to help, go to McCloskey 4 Senate. That's F-O-R-Senate.com. Needless to say, I'm running against not just the Democrats, but the uh, mainstream Republican Party, and I need all the help and all the dollars I can get. All right, Mark. uh, Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. All right. There you have it. That's Mark McCloskey from the state of Missouri. He's running for the U.S. Senate seat there. So that was Mark McCloskey on the issues that he is running on. And uh, a little backgrounder to uh, what happened to he and his wife and his family on uh, June 28th of 2020 on their private property. Um, On to the uh, uh, Democrat internal polling that I mentioned the I've got this story out of Politico that uh, shows that here's a headline: a GOP culture war attacks quote alarmingly potent says the head of the Democrat basically the Democrat National Committee you have the Republican National Committee and the Democrat National Committee well the head of the DCCC which is basically the head of the Democrat National Committee. Uh, says that these attacks against Democrats by Republicans are extremely potent. What's he talking about? He's talking about some of the major issues that you and I care about, such as life, human life, how life begins at conception, should be treated as such, should be protected, a critical race theory. You know, this this ideology, this teaching of our uh, young children and this, this teaching that's percolating American culture 
that if you're born with a certain skin color, you're automatically racist no matter what. Uh, that basically sums up critical race theory. And uh, you have uh, the the transgender nonsense where, where, where the left thinks that boys can become girls, girls can become boys, and it's all fluid, and you can just pick your gender. All that insanity, these issues that really the Republicans have tried to shy away from and not touch, uh, uh, Democrats are saying that, that, that basically we've got to stop the Republicans in their tracks because if the Republicans keep talking about these key issues, it's is not going to bode well for the Democrats, which is really an indicator that the Republicans, I'm talking about the party, they should have never left the culture war issues to begin with. But they did. This goes back to the Bush days. This goes back to the McCain days. This goes back to the Romney days where the party headed up by the establishment guys said uh, abortion is too divisive. Uh, illegal immigration is too divisive. Uh, all these issues are so divisive. Uh, Same-sex quote-unquote marriage, homosexual, homosexual quote-unquote marriage. We know it's not true marriage. True marriage is between one man and one woman. Uh, these, these issues... The Republicans shied away from, they ducked their head, they didn't want to talk about it because it was too divisive or too divisive. And so um, that left a void in leading on cultural issues, on societal issues. Well, the Democrats picked that up and started forcing their left-wing ideals on the American people. And other than Christians who are using their platform, their voice to speak up on these issues, the Republican Party at large, at least at the top, they were MIA, missing in action, nowhere to be found. Well, now Republicans are running their, their polls and they're realizing that people care about these issues. People still care about God's design for human sexuality. People care about abortion. They care about saving babies. People care about um, this biblical truth that all men and women are created equal, created in the image of God. So advice to the Republicans, stop running away from the hot-button issues. Start embracing those issues, defending truth, biblical truth, and when you have an opportunity, you need to take action and pass laws that affirm biblical truth. Be back in just a few minutes. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming. 
our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA streaming is now available. Learn more at afa.net. You know, most tours of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., don't include the spiritual heritage of our country, the Christian history of our nation, the people, the places, the events that God used to birth America. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. My friend, historian Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation, goes with us on these tours and he talks all along the way. He tells you about the people, the places, the events, and he does so from a Christian perspective. So you're invited to join us on one of these spiritual heritage tours in June and September. We also go to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown on a separate tour if you want to do that as well. So for all the information, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. Again, simply the website, spiritualheritagetours.com. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. You know, um, one, one thing that is uh, it, it needs to be said when it comes to uh, what our guest last segment, Mark McCloskey, said, talking about our leaders in Washington and how many of them are prone to inaction on various issues. And then I just talked about the uh, internal um, survey or poll or research results from the Democrats talking about how voters do care deeply about these quote-unquote, culture war issues. And we, we, we need to continue putting people in positions of power and influence that will uphold the promises that they make when they are running for public office. And it, this should really go without saying but the issue we run into in America in 2022, and this has been going on for quite some time now, is the people campaigning for public office say all the right things for their voting base. But they get placed, they get positioned and inserted in, into power 
and they completely flip or they completely weaken their viewpoints and their positions. I don't know. Some people call it the Potomac fever, uh, talking about drinking the water out of the Potomac River. I don't know what it is. We all know that man is prone to sin. Man is inherently sinful. And so that plays a role into it. Uh, But we need men and women in positions of power that are willing to fight intensely for what they believe in. And that's why so many people admired President Trump. They admired President Trump. Some people admired him to such an extent that they saw no flaws in President Trump. But Washington created this void of true, genuine leadership, and President Trump came in, and he filled that void. Why did he fill that void? Because he kept his promises. That which he promised during the political campaign, he went to Washington, D.C., and he executed promise after promise after promise, no matter the political cost. And he wasn't nearly as concerned about the poll results or the surveys or what the public thinks. He was elected on certain key issues, and he followed through on it. And that's what makes the Trump presidency stand out from so many other presidencies. And so we need people that are going to do that, more of them in Washington, D.C., and in state capitals around the country and in city halls around the country and uh, county commissioners. I mean, the, the list goes on of elected officials where we need people in there who are simply going to do what they promise the voters they will do. It's not a tall ask, not a uh, not a high bar to meet. Uh, jumping into some of the um, some of the clips I brought in for today, there's uh, what's going on in Canada with Trudeau enacting these emergency powers that are that are designed for like terrorist groups. They're designed for um, emergencies, true emergencies. What we're experiencing now, what Canada is experiencing, is not an emergency in which this Emergency Powers Act was designed for. But uh, Trudeau enacted this Emergency Powers Act which gives the federal government there in Canada increasing powers where they can freeze bank accounts. Uh, They can take all kind of sweeping actions uh, in the name of protecting Canada. And this is a clip for here. This is the police chief in Ottawa, the capital of Canada, saying that not, not if you... Uh, assault someone, not if you destroy property, not if you just, uh, not if you maybe block the road. Uh, he's talking to anyone. This this police chief is talking to anyone who simply participates or is at these protests in Canada. Listen to the language he uses against them. Clip four. So I was in the crowd yesterday. Um, I was unfortunately uh, hit with some pepper spray. I just have a question. Uh, there's some video cameras that the police are using and uh, some news outlets are reporting that you're gathering intelligence with those cameras. Can you elaborate, like, if the protesters at this point, uh, you know, 
uh, retreat and go home, uh, are they going to be getting sort of repercussions down the road? Or are you going to be sort of actively pursuing the people that you've been sort of documenting and filming who are still out there protesting? What are your plans after this, uh, after the protest is over? Thank you. It's a great question. And the simple answer is yes. If you are involved in this protest, we will actively look to identify you and follow up with financial sanctions and criminal charges. Absolutely. We, this investigation will go on for months to come. It has many, many different streams, both from a federal uh, financial level, from a provincial licensing level, from a criminal code level, from a municipal breach of court order, breach of court injunction level. It will be a complicated and time consuming um, investigation that will go on for a period of time. You have my commitment that that investigation will continue and we will hold people accountable for taking our streets over. So that's uh, the police chief in Ottawa there. Um, <clears throat> you, 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 think, you would think that the police chief is talking about ISIS. You would think the police chief is talking about Al-Qaeda. You would think the police chief is talking about drug cartels. No, the police chief is talking about anyone who participates in any way in the protest in the capital of Canada. So now Trudeau and his law enforcement actors They've moved from, hey, you guys need to stop blocking the road to, if anybody protests against the government, we will come down extremely hard on you. We will financially sanction you. We will monitor you. We will follow you. We will prosecute you no matter what. This is China-level stuff. And I told Bobby this morning, the best approach that Trudeau could do, first off, he could negotiate with the protesters. That might be actually a first good step and rescind the tyrannical mandates that he's doing. But secondly, if you want to say we're, we're unclogging the streets, we're moving the trucks because you guys can't keep blocking the streets of Ottawa while people are trying to commute and go to work, et cetera, et cetera, okay, fine. But that's not what Trudeau's doing here. He is arresting people simply because they are out on the street protesting, not because they're doing anything illegal. And then he comes out today after they've got all the streets clear. They've arrested hundreds of protesters. Trudeau comes out today and says, well, the emergency's not over yet. And I'll bring this clip tomorrow. He says, the emergency's not over yet. We've still got an emergency. Oh, really? <laughs> you've cleared the streets. You've unclogged the streets. All the trucks are gone. All the protesters are gone. And you've still got an emergency? What he's, what he's saying is, is we're probably going to hang on to this emergency power forever. Which is what we saw happen during COVID here in the U.S. Governors, mayors, the president declared an emergency and kept the emergency percolating, whether the emergency be true or not, they kept it going for 24 months. Well, after 24 months, my friend, it's not an emergency anymore. It's not an emergency anymore. It doesn't matter <clears throat> what situation we're in. 24 months, it no longer can be defined as an emergency. 
And that's why many people are saying when it when it when it comes to COVID and the tyrannical mandates, we better learn to live with this without squashing people's rights. And even someone who you wouldn't think would agree with us, this is the Ontario Premier. So you have these different premiers of the provinces in Canada, and pretty much all of them have come out against Trudeau and against the mandates and, and said it's time to end all this. So Trudeau's basically on an island by himself. Listen to the Ontario Premier, Doug Ford, on COVID-19 and all the measures that Trudeau is doing. You know, you, you can go to... You can go to Costco, you can go to Walmart, you can go shopping. You don't know if the person has a shot beside you or not, but we also know that it doesn't matter if you have one shot or ten shots, you can catch COVID. See, the Prime Minister has triple shots, and I, I know hundreds of people with three shots that caught COVID. We just have to be careful. We've got to always make sure we wash our hands and move forward. But we can't stay in this position forever. We've got to learn to live with this and get on with our lives. I bet if I asked every single person, in this room. Do you want these masks or do you want them off? They want them off. They want to get back to normal. They want to be able to go for dinner with their families. And there's every single person, including myself, knows people that are unvaccinated. Sure, there's there's the rebel rousers. And then there's just hardworking people that just don't believe in it. And that's their choice. This is about, again, a democracy and freedoms and liberties. I hate as a government telling anyone what to do. We just got to get moving forward and get out of this and protect the jobs. I think a lot of people call them, probably yourself too, everyone's done with us. Like, we are done with it. Let's start moving on and cautiously. And we've followed the rules, all of us, like 90% of us, for over two years. The world's done with it. So let's just move forward. <laughs> the world's done with it. Please, yes. thank you. He's just way too logical. I know. <clears throat> so logical, we may get banned from YouTube or Facebook for playing the clip. <laughs> exactly. Um this is there's a lot of truth there and let's remember what the what the good folks in canada are protesting all right let's remember the context here because they show the trucks they show the protesters trudeau claims that they're nazis and everybody's rallying against the protesters the media that is let's remember what they're protesting trudeau had implemented a measure that required every trucker, every commercial driver in the country to download a mobile application sponsored and run by the Canadian government with a QR code on it tracking your vaccine. And in this case, it ain't a vaccine, it's a shot because it doesn't work like a vaccine. So to track your shot status with the QR code, and every time you cross the border, back and forth, going to the U.S., coming back into Canada as a Canadian truck driver, you had to show the QR code. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, the problem with that is that is setting the stage for the government to tack on whatever other kind of qualifiers they want to the QR code. Oh, okay, so you spoke out against the prime minister. Well, you can't cross the border, so your QR code is invalid, sir. Oh, okay, so you you sponsored our political opponents. You you donated to them to their financial campaign, to their to their political campaign. Okay, well, you can't cross the border. Your QR code is invalid. 
This is what is happening in China as we speak. This is reality in China. This is not hypothetical. This is not, you know, uh, conspiracy theory. This is how China operates now. They have the social credit score. If you're not a friend of the state, then you get blacklisted. You get pushed down to the bottom of the list. If you're loyal to Xi and all of his minions, then you get pushed to the top. Do we want that? And that's where China, that's where Canada is going. That's where they were going, which prompted the backlash, which prompted the protest. And as I mentioned earlier, we don't need to get to a point where it's too late to turn back. And that's why I admire the people protesting in Canada. Because for them, their freedom and their livelihood was at stake. And this this mass surveillance, this mass tracking of every individual, it sounds kind of cool. It sounds convenient. But my friends, we need to be very, very skeptical of it. Because technology has its benefits. We use it every day. Technology makes life more convenient, makes life seem more efficient. And so technology can be used for good. But when you put technology into the hands of the wrong people who don't have a biblical worldview, who don't respect individual rights, who have no understanding of the Constitution, then they will use technology for very sick, evil, and tyrannical purposes. And that's what's happening in Canada. That's what's happening around the world. That is the context of the pushback. And if we don't push back now, when do we push back? We don't need to wait until it's too late before we start fighting for the very freedoms that this country and much of the West was founded on. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.